With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. MSU basketball has decided they're so good, they're just going to try their damnedest to spot everyone 15 points. Newsflash on the football front, there is no news. And if I could have dinner with any historical figure, I can tell you who it's not going to be. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines, Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Kevin Greck. Folks, thanks as always for listening, and if we could ask you a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Your reviews mean a lot, and... I love that my mother reads them. Kevin, it's a new week. It's a new day. How you doing, buddy? Bro, road wins. Road wins in the Big Ten. What's happening right now in basketball? There were no road wins. Now road wins are happening. They're going on. MSU got themselves a road win. What's up? Almost got two. Well, got very close to a second one. Well, you're, you're forgetting about uh, the air quote road win at Northwestern. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the Northwestern and the Nebraska road wins are in a separate column from everything else as we've discussed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, everyone else in the big 10, if you win there, it's a road win. Those two places slightly less. So, but, uh, speaking of the road, you're on the road right now, uh, on a little business trip. So we've got an exciting and loose show for everyone. (laughs) Uh, this is going to be a real riot. Uh, before we get into it, though, we got to mention our presenting sponsor, Fraser's Pub in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Which is where I wish I was. There's no place like home. There's no place like Fraser's Pub. That is true because it has wood paneling. Check. Big screen TVs. Check. A rotating draft selection. Check, check, check. It is the place you want to be if you're watching a game in, in the Ann Arbor area. Best part about it, I think is that it's not on campus, so you don't have to deal with students. Um, you have to deal with some townies who, like, love U of M. But, you know, uh, all in all, good people, a great place to grab a beer, grab a bite. Uh, we had a listener who went and got the, what was it, the pastrami? Sure. Is that what uh, Pat Williams had? Uh, no, that was the Reuben. Ah, uh, the Reuben, yes. The Reuben. Uh, so, uh, folks, as we say every week, the one of the great things about Fraser's Pub is that every month they have a beer of the month, which you get a 23-ounce for the same price as a pint. Uh, for a few more days, the Founders Solid Gold is your beer of the month. Incredibly drinkable. But what's exciting, <laughs> what's exciting is that next month is the Bell's Lighthearted Ale. Uh <gasps> <laughs> they've they've upped their they've upped their marketing uh slightly over founders because uh they describe it as aromatic, balanced, and incredibly easy drinking. And it's only 110 calories. 
Uh, I want to know what hard drinking is other than what I do every time I record this. Okay. Hold on. Is the light hearted ale a take on two hearted ale? Is it like a light version of yeah, that? It's, it's like a, yeah, it's a locale, uh, locale IPA. I'm looking at it here on the bellsbeer.com website for the first time. Uh, yeah, it's approximately half alcohol by volume, and it has tasting notes of citrus pine. I did not know that this existed. And now I it's like the beer you, of the month. Next month. I, and I, well, and you're going to have to make a trip there in February. And I do like that you said you were on the bellsbeer.com website, in case people were curious if you were uh, on a website or not. I used AOL keyword Bell's Beer to navigate to it. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, if uh, for some reason you are tuning in for the first time, uh, in addition to riffing on beers, which I have to make a quick side note. We're going to explain the structure of the show, but uh, a couple weeks ago we got a question from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy on whether Hop Slam was sweet, sweet nectar or swill, as I described it. Uh, my mother texted me after the episode to tell me that I was an idiot and that I was wrong and that Hop Slam is amazing. When you're getting schooled on classy beers by your mother, it's not a good feeling. So, just moved to New Jersey, saw some Hop Slam in the local market, picked some up, was shocked by the price tag. Do you know how much these things are, Kevin? Uh, I found out after the fact. <laughs> it is, I, I am drinking a 12-ounce can of beer that costs $3. Um, and I will, I will say I'm going to eat a little bit of crow. It's a pretty tasty beer and it is not as, uh, kill you with hops as I believed it to be. So I apologize to any listener who was bothered by my comments, but I also have next to me here, a Miller light. And I stand by what I said a little bit. <laughs> so what anyway, Miller light uh, set you back like 75 cents. Uh, if, so if that, <laughs> that's if a four that. to one ratio that you're operating with right now. Yep. Uh, I also have a, uh, dogfish head 60 minute here, so I'm looking forward to doing some compare and contrast. Yeah. Anyway, apparently. run the full gamut. Folks, folks who are joining us for the first time, we, uh, we start off the show, uh, in a segment we call the green wall, where we cover some of the headlines surrounding MSU sports from the previous week. We then turn to news that's off Grand River in a segment aptly called Off Grand River. Then we take your Twitter questions and end it with a preview of upcoming games for the week ahead. Um, as mentioned, this is going to get loose real fast, so let's buckle up. Kevin, let's talk some hoops. It was a tale of two games. MSU split a pair of road games with a 67-63 to loss at Indiana and then a 70-52 to beatdown on Minnesota that even included a Stephen Izzo sighting. What are your takeaways? Well, for the Indiana game, I think the, the first takeaway is this is a team that didn't take advantage of opportunities when they were presented to them in the second half. Huge deficit in the first half, came back from it, basically evened it up with about 15 minutes to play, something like that. Was basically at parity with Indiana, although Indiana was playing poorly for the next eight minutes. Then built a little bit of a lead, lost the lead, Indiana wins the game. It was, I, I can understand why fans were disappointed in the loss, but it did seem like the reaction was a little bit stronger than was necessary at the time. Just, just editorializing right now. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I, um, I had to do a little bit of an unplug from MSU Twitter because it got the sky is falling 
a lot of chicken little going on and um look i mean hey it's fair to say that it was a disappointing start to the game and that um it didn't seem like msu really came amped up to play i think maybe is a, a bit of a fair statement a little flat um, yep yeah, and and they have to understand that you know and i'm sure they do because uh, <laughs> god knows they know more about basketball than i could ever but that you know it they're circled on every team's calendar and i am yeah using uh a phrasing that has been way too frequently said over the last week, but it is true. You know, uh, this is a big game. You know, when MSU comes to town, that's a big game. It's a chance for everyone in the Big Ten uh, to to get a quality win, a very important win, a resume booster. You know, and and if Joe uh, Lombardi is to be believed, uh, all twelve of the fourteen teams are going to the tournament, so they need those wins. There was Lenardi, um, by the way. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Editor's note: This hop slant. This hop slam is hitting me early and will be hitting me often. But uh, what happened after the Indiana game, though, is that Tom Ezzo tweaked his starting lineup a little bit. He did. Um, yep. What I mean, what was your take on? So let's start with Henry. Henry coming off the bench. Well, it seemed to work to a small degree. I mean, Henry was more assertive. I thought in the Minnesota game. <laughs> Yeah, he looked good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I... Do you buy this whole idea of, like, playing head games with guys? Like, apparently Maryland's going through this right now where they've got two guys that want to come off the bench uh, because they just think their game is better that way. I mean, there there must be something to it because a lot of coaches do it and it comes up every once in a while. But it seems like minutes are minutes and who's in the game at the very beginning does not effectively matter right i mean well i i i think there's look i'm superstitious about watching games so if i'm weird about it i can only imagine people who play are a little weird about it and like how cassius needs the headband type of thing yeah with the the nike facing back absolutely And, and you know and i also think that aaron henry Coming in a little bit later, you know, the way he is able to shift the game from an athleticism standpoint um, makes teams sort of adjust on the fly, and they need to be prepared to make that adjustment. They need to make the subs. It it allows, as someone who could start, you know, it allows him to come in and disrupt rhythm for the other team without messing up anything for MSU. So that, that is sort of an interesting dynamic he presents. Um, and, and I, you know, if it, if it also makes him feel like he's, he should, he's being sort of brought in as the ringer, you know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's being brought in to be aggressive and just shake things up. If that's helps his mindset, like it's a, you know, they're unleashing a bull, then great. I, I mean, whatever helps him feel that way, because I mean, the guy was, not all the buckets were falling, but you know some of the euro steps he was, you know, getting to the bucket with were amazing. I mean, the guy Rock. played like more like a pro. Rock. So, I think. What do you? Yeah. So we talked about Rocket against Minnesota. What do you think about Malik Hall against Maryland or against uh, uh, Indiana? Pardon me. Uh, what do you mean? How, like, how, what do you? I, I, because you know, I mean, the, he saw the, a big influx in in minutes. Um, yeah. he had a lot of jobs out there. He seemed to play pretty well. 
His plus minus, I think, rebounded a little bit as a result of his time in the game. Like he had the worst plus minus on the team by a wide margin, but he's sort of closing that gap a little bit now. Um, I, do you think this is something a lot more Malik Hall in the lineup from here on out, uh, depending so, on um, the opposition potentially? Yeah, and and I think he's you know I think the fans are being a little too hard on Kithier lately. Though I will say I find myself at times groaning um, because um, for a guy who gets credited with with being so smart and and not um, being error prone, sometimes it feels like he is the error prone guy on the court, and and he's having a bit of a down moment right now. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but he's just kind of going through his own little growing pains and. Malik Hall might be seeing an opportunity and, and seizing on that uh, and, and feeling that maybe there's more space for him is uh, giving him an assertiveness and a confidence that was needed. It, it, you know, you talk about head games and I, I feel like all we're doing right now is talking about the, without any basis, the psychological conditions <laughs> and the, the thought processes of the players. But I mean, you know, if it was me, I would say, look, they've been starting Bingham and, you know, you could kind of, you could see the justification for it, but, you know, so then you're scrapping for, all right, who's, who's the go-to number two guy and you might be seeing an opportunity. And then now if, you know, you're starting in lieu of Bingham, that's an extra confidence boost. And, you know, it, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Bingham because he may become actually the more matchup dependent guy. Okay. What what was your take? I don't know. Time will tell. We'll see. I, I think the young guys right now are kind of taking steps in a way yep. that's really exciting. And there have been times where this team, we covered this last week, where this team has shown real glimpses of what could become in the future. Um, again, watch this team. Have fun with it. There's some Twitter questions about what the ceiling is for this squad to, uh, this year. Uh, so we'll discuss that then, but, uh, there's no reason to be concerned moving forward. This team has some real talent. It's showing flashes of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I think the, the most important words you said there and something that we could all take a little medicine of is time will tell, you know, I think we benefit as a podcast from doing something weekly, right? So that we're mm -hmm. not so invested in the moment to moment. It is a little different in football because it, it literally is a weekly thing. But in basketball, the the meltdowns that people have after a, a loss or even a disappointing win, because I'm pretty sure if we'd wanted Indiana, there still would be a degree of meltdown. Um, you know, like, I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset about losses, but you know whose job it is to be upset about losses is Izzo. Like, he's allowed to be <laughs> furious game to game. To your point, Time will tell, and I think we have a large enough sample size now to know that, yeah, there are some things this team is overcoming, but it's still a pretty good team, and they're a lot of fun to watch. Indeed. So, um, speaking of meltdowns, <laughs> let's talk just for a minute about football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, PSA, everyone, cool your jets. Uh, there seemed to be a collective meltdown about, uh, I may mispronounce his name, but Jake... Burning stool. Um, this man is to... a legacy. You should know the name. And, know and the that, name, Jonesy. That means MSU has rights to him. He cannot make his own decisions. And for him to go anywhere else means that MSU football is a dumpster fire 
just because of this kid. Uh, for those who don't know, Jake Brenningstool is a, a four-star uh, recruit, a four-star composite recruit, um, who is from Brentwood, Tennessee. Both of his parents went to MSU. His dad played linebacker here. Uh, his grandparents went to MSU. He's MSU deep uh, in terms of you know how it was in his family. Plays tight end. He had an offer from Clemson, and he committed to Clemson. Anyone who thinks that a 17-year-old kid may be wanting to go compete for natties, uh, making a decision to follow that dream instead of coming to Michigan State, I I don't know. I, I have a hard time getting upset about that. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's going to be tough to compete against Clemson. Um, it would, I would be very impressed if a legacy recruit chose MSU over Clemson right now. They have basically a straight shot to the national championship, or at least the college football playoff, we should say. Uh, they have a young, energetic coach that players seem to really respond to. Uh, mm-hmm. The facilities down there are unreal, and that seems to really matter to 16-year-old kids. Uh, so, I mean, the only thing MSU had in this case would be the legacy aspect to it. And it didn't happen this time. MSU's been getting a lot of legacy kids over the last, what, 10 years, 15 years. It seems like there's always like two or three legacy guys on the depth chart. Well, that's because the the Bullas and um, the (laughs) Allens were. (laughs) Um, But I mean, look, he's his own person. He's allowed to make his own decision. Sure. Would I have loved for him to become MSU? Absolutely. Do I care that he didn't? I don't. No. And and I don't think it's a reflection on the coaching staff in any way, shape, or form. It's just a kid making a decision probably that he wants to go play for Natty's, and I can't blame him for that. Uh, speaking of coaches, though, Kevin, you flagged this for me. Graham Couch, uh, who we, you know, columnist for the Lansing State Journal on his podcast, what, uh, or radio show two weeks ago, I think we mentioned. Something like that. <clears throat> said that he had from a source that was never wrong that there were no coaching changes to be made. And then this past Monday, a week ago, as of the day we're recording tonight, uh, he says things are changing and he suspects four coaching changes. Doesn't really provide any context other than that. I like the idea that uh, D'Antonio sent the periscope up and was like totally oblivious to what was going on (laughs) and was like, what? He's like, the fan shit. base is unhappy <laughs> with these things. We, the truth is, nobody really knows for sure what is going on in there. Uh, we don't have, you know, embedded sources uh, in the D'Antonio inner circle. I'm betting a bunch of people inside the D'Antonio inner circle don't know what's going on. It's possible that D'Antonio doesn't know what's going on. So it's all speculation at this point. Uh, but I maintain, I've said this the whole time, I'm going to maintain two coaching changes by hook or by crook at the end of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I think that uh, make at least two, uh, you know, I could see more if there's a, a retirement in there. But yeah, at least two. Also want to flag for people, you know, we're, we covered a little bit last week and we thought the the stories that came from the Detroit News, uh, specifically from Tony Paul, deserved a little further inspection. 
And so we wanted to flag for people next week that we are going to do a bit of a deep dive on the stories. Now, in advance of that, we, you know, Greg, feel free to chime in here, but we Mm -hmm. do want to say that we find the Austin Robertson recruitment problematic. Sure. At its best, it's Mark D'Antonio had a limited set of knowledge that was still disturbing and made a decision to move forward anyway, thinking he could do something to save somebody. And that still is concerning. Yeah, savior complex type of thing, which yeah. you could argue he has demonstrated several times uh, yep. over his coaching career. We also want to be very clear that we are not apologists for the program uh, and that, you know, don't think that and indeed have issues with our own university that we love dearly. I mean, we, we love the school, but that there has been way too much circle the wagons and not enough transparency and, and not enough concern for people who are victims of sexual assault and sexual violence. So all of that being said and, and held deep, you know, deeply true, we do kind of want to go into the reporting, uh, analyze uh, some areas that we think deserved a little more clarification on part of uh, Tony Paul, and then applaud some of the reporting where it deserves credit because some news came out of it. Um, and so just wanted to flag that for people. If you have questions about those stories that you want us to get into, please you know tweet them at us and we will make sure to the best we can to, to cover them next week because it is we want to bring our receipts to the research we do. Um, and so, you know, just, uh, wanted to put that on everyone's radar for next week, that it may be a little bit less fun of a show, uh, <laughs> at parts, but we will try very hard, uh, to make it up with some amazing not a sponsors. And we have our first not a sponsor, Kevin. Yeah. This is some real micro targeted advertising. Indeed. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if the target of this is a listener. I, I expect he is. Uh, but this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Tanya Harding, who has a direct message for Silvio D'Souza. If you're wielding a stool, you're doing it wrong. Listen to Can't Read, Can't Write. <laughs> All right, Greg. Uh, let's take it off Grand River. Uh, big news came out today. Yeah. Shocking news. Yeah. Um, Xavier Simpson has been suspended for one game. For those who don't know, Xavier Simpson is the uh, point guard for the University of Michigan. And when I try and type his name in, it corrects to how you spell Xavier Tillman's name. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it that we know about this suspension? Not much. And that's what's important. Yes. Uh, We know that it is apparently a team rule. Uh, Juwan Howard has clarified that it is an in-house thing. Yet also said it's something that requires investigation and a deeper look. A so, deeper look. Yeah. So, you know, this could just be an coach speak attitude thing um, that, you know, maybe it's an interest is what he means by investigation is introspection of some sort. Uh, <laughs> They're all looking inside themselves yes. this week. We don't know much. I think what we can all agree upon is that Xavier Simpson, uh, despite being the lesser point guard to Cassius Winston is a hell of a competitor and we enjoy seeing him and Cassius go head to head. Yeah. And so we hope that whatever this is, is not really much because it's been a really fun rivalry, right? Yeah. And when is the game against them? How many days from now? Uh, it is, you're making me do math. It's on uh, February 8th, right? Okay. February 9th. 
Uh, is it Saturday or Sunday? It doesn't matter. It's two weeks from now, effectively. Um, yes. Yeah, Xavier uh, Simpson stirs the drink for them. But it shouldn't matter because Isaiah Livers is back now. And that was <laughs> oh. the whole problem the whole time. Is he the new shavier? Um, He's the new shavier. Are we even going to acknowledge at all that... Uh, <laughs> that Javon Howard said in a press conference that he just doesn't know the answers to their defensive woes? Um, <laughs> He clearly, I'm, I don't want to give him a hard time because you should be able to admit to things like that. But head coaches don't get to say those types of things to the media. You're going to no, get chewed it, up. It is, it is not a great look. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to like. Sometimes it, I, I enjoy Juwan Howard and I, I think he's putting something together there, but Sometimes he he feels a little aw shucksy, and I don't want to call him. The a man group. wears a three point shoot uh, suit. Um, I mean, who else three piece wears a three piece suit while they're coaching college basketball games? I I respect I respect his attire except for that pin he wears, which is just ridiculous. Mm. Uh, with uh, the Air Jordan dunking the M block block M. I think that was just two pins that were very close to one another and appeared to be connected, but it's still. Dumb. I do hope it's just one pin, um, <laughs> it, because you because you, what would be dumber is wearing two pins. Um, <laughs> but anyway, why do one pin when you can do two pins? He's like on his way to like an old, like TGIF type lapel look. Do you, um, do you think he put one on? And it's got a like, lot of flair. And then he put another one on and said, "And one." Um, no, no, not good. All right. Let's, let's move on to some other, not good. Some other big news off Grand River, not far off Grand River though, coming in from Grand Valley State University, their new brand new offensive coordinator, Morris Berger. Morris Berger. We're going with Berger. R-G-E-R. You don't have to know the name. (laughs) Other than he was brand new and sat down with a student newspaper, and they asked him, you studied history in college. If you if you could have an, a meal with anybody from history, who would it be? And his, his quote is, quote, this is probably not going to get a good review, but I'm going to say Adolf Hitler. <laughs> um, <laughs> dear um, Morris Berger, um... I don't think you're a burger, whatever it is. I don't think you're going to be employed at Grand Valley State much longer. And it isn't just because it's problematic, but I think it's, I think we can just go with clearly your judgment is lacking. (laughs) This is a guy who insists on going for it on fourth and 10. Uh, He said, he continued, it's obviously very sad (laughs) and he had bad motives. But the way he was able to lead was second to none. <laughs> okay. This is not true. Also, I think any real people that studied history would disagree with that statement on its face. Um, he <laughs> he led through fear and intimidation. And uh, no, it was not. <laughs> is if, if, if Hitler wasn't available, do you think he picks David Duke as a backup? Like, I mean. <laughs> I just... I mean, uh, <laughs> continues how he rallied a group and a following. I want to know how he did that. 
bad intentions, of course, but you can't deny he was a great leader. I can. I can <laughs> deny that. Um, so, and by the if 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 that was your qualifications for you know who you wanted to meet with, you know you want a great leader, you want someone who can rally a group and a following. Um, he was able to lead second to none. All right, let's let's start. Let's start with Christ. He did some things. Like you don't have to be a believer, but certainly historically has uh, you know <laughs> gotten a large number of people to follow in in his belief set. They wrote a book uh, about it. A good book. <laughs> the good book, you might say. Um, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King. I, you want to go more modern than that? JFK. Yep. I mean, you... <laughs> you can choose a lot of things. There's a lot of options that comes yes. before Hitler. <laughs> but It's nope. okay. Anyway, so this so, isn't a guy where you heard it here first and he's going to blow up and he's going to be the best college, you know, football co- coach in college football in 20 years uh, winning natties. Uh, you'll never hear of this man again. It's over. Uh, and if, you know. <laughs> but he hasn't, he hasn't been fired yet. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly. Put up I'm, that I'm, Morris Burger Google News alert because it's about it's, to get pinged. <laughs> it's, it's 9.46 p.m. Uh, what's your over under on when he gets fired? That dude is gone by tomorrow. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Last, we want to talk about the hottie toddy. Uh, first last off, week's shame on you for not knowing what this was. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't either. And so just want to say, people, I got it. Like, if you're, if you're uh, tweeting at us <laughs> to tell me what a hottie toddy is because you think I don't know, you're not the first person. Thanks for I the think, engagement, by the way. Yeah, you know, we do want to say thank you for the engagement. But... I think I got more engagement on fact-checking me than maybe your most popular tweet. That's all right. Keep us honest. Keep us... Yep. Keep it rolling. Do you care to explain now that you know, now that you've been given this knowledge, you know, explain to the audience that doesn't follow us on Twitter uh, what a hottie toddy is and what the what the uh, context there was? No, why don't, you, why don't you take this one, buddy? Uh, No, you can't. You're... <laughs> you didn't know digest it? That it's a full Ole Miss thing, but I don't know the finer details of it because it's Ole Miss. Um, so I've I've heard uh, for that it's without explanation, uh, but it is just something they shout at Ole Miss. Um, that might be me doing too long didn't read because um, I just didn't care that much. But apparently it's something they shout at Ole Miss and I should have known that. So I apologize to everyone. Like I apologize to my, this can just be an apology tour. Yeah. Episode title. Um, Kevin, let's move on to our next, not a sponsor. We are flying through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Told you folks, this is loose. We apologize. We'll be better next week. Uh, but this episode of can't read, can't write is not brought to you by Claude Lemieux and Darren McCartney with a little PSA. People make a big deal about some dude picking up a stool and waving in the air like he might hit someone, or another dude maybe curb-stomping another guy. We painted the white ice red with blood, and somehow, despite actual assault and battery taking place in an unsanctioned fight, everyone was cool with it. So stop clutching your pearls, and next time, start shouting, KILL HIM! (laughs) Oh, and subscribe to Can't Read, Can't Write. Uh, This is all going to come back around again in the Twitter questions. (laughs) Kevin, 
<laughs> it is time for Twitter questions. Yes. And let's go. We're going to lead things off with the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. The one and only. The uh, one I would, and only. I would point out earlier in the episode, uh, you outlined the full structure of the episode. And in doing so, you shared an anecdote that assumed that the audience knew who the Upper Deck Jerk Guy was. So he's a legend. The man's a legend. Let's go down this list. Yes. And he always brings it with the Twitter questions and he's leading us off with a total non sequitur, Channing Tatum or Carol Channing. Uh, I mean, Channing Tatum, song and dance man, fantastic. But you've got to go with the original, Carol Channing. Carol Channing for life. Nope. That, that's over for Carol. So Channing Tatum all the way. Um, <laughs> he also wants to know, how is Illinois doing it? That's a good question. Honestly, I put in here because Brad Underwood is the best coach in the Big Ten. Uh, that's obviously not true. It, it is some degree, I think, their schedule. But then also they've got two wins against Purdue, and MSU got annihilated by Purdue. They've also got a win against Wisconsin, which is on medium. The on the road at Cole Center. Um, so it's something a little bit to do with their schedule. Um, but it's also a little bit to do, I think with the scheme, with their athletes, um, that team, even when it's struggling rallies and plays its game. So I, I think there's something that you just, I mean, we've, we've taken shots at Illinois occasionally, uh, but they sort of earned their spot in the sort of upper, upper third of the big 10. Do you think they're taking some of that uh, the Levy Smith beard oil? You think they're they're applying that to their faces? Is that God, maybe making a difference? It must be. You know, he's out there somewhere, bearding right now. That beard is out there. Fear the beard. Uh, next up from the upper jerk guy, jerk guy wants to know: Can you go into any advanced stats? Uh, we've got an advanced stat for you. When losing a basketball game the deficit must be less than or equal to minutes remaining in the game down to three minutes it, the theorem doesn't work under three minutes less the team will definitely lose and jonesy will be doing a lot of pacing <laughs> this is called the jones quotient and <laughs> jones if you if you don't know it uh they it is a stat to live by because it is a prime barometer for whether your team has a chance of getting back into the game. I have a sub rule that I don't have a, a, a we'll call it the Greg quotient, which is just get it under 10 before the half. <laughs> it's just when MSU is losing by 15, uh, seven minutes into the game. That's just what I say out loud. Get it under 10 by the half. <laughs> that, that's, that is a solid, uh, we're not going to call it the Greg quotient. We'll call it the uh, Greg postulate. Uh, and I think that that is uh, solid basketball wisdom mm -hmm. and, and something that you should aspire to. Yes. As MSU, even, even against, uh, uh, Minnesota tried their damnedest to spot them 15. Yeah. That first, first six minutes or so of the game was anemic. <laughs> anemic it, like it is a generous, it was so bad. Uh, next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy says, ever had Pliny the Elder? So, Upper Deck Jerk Guy, uh, I actually have. I've had Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger. And believe it or not, for a time, I lived in Santa Rosa, California. For those who don't know, Pliny the Elder is a beer, a, I believe a triple IPA, um, that is done by the Russian River Brewing Company. It is amazing. And I know that's saying something from me because I normally trash IPAs. 
but pretty much everything that Russian River Company does is fantastic. And like two towns down the road is Lagunitas. Uh, both have their own amazing brewery experience. So if you find yourself in Northern California, do yourself a favor. Uh, go to Petaluma or Santa Rosa. You're in wine country, but spend some time doing a little quick beer stop as well. There you go. Next up from and last from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. If D'Antonio doesn't change coaches and wins the Big Ten, will the fan base say he's a genius or got lucky? I mean, it's genius. It's obviously. Everything is forgiven no. if you win the Big Ten. There have I, I been criticisms that. of D'Antonio over the years and his coaching capabilities. I mean, when he was a brand new coach at MSU, defense was a big criticism of his. Turn that around, won some games, winning fixes all ills, and the fan base will re-embrace him and appreciate him again after that. I I don't think... Are you going to argue got lucky? They'll say he got no. lucky? I mean, it well, it certainly is context dependent, right? Like, what's what else is going on in the Big Ten? You know, if Ohio State is having some giant scandal and is in full blown meltdown mode, uh, then you know maybe that shifts things up a little bit. But uh, and then there is sort of maybe a, a got lucky criticism. However, I, I guess I would just meter it slightly and say he probably doesn't get genius credit, but he pr- probably gets. He he's back to he's he's earned himself another season of uh, let's see what you can do. Yeah, but or two if he, or if three. He, yeah, especially if, with how young it is. I mean, we'd be essentially repeating 2017 all over again if, if he won the Big Ten. I mean, it, it would be a young class and you would have huge expectations for what they would do for the next couple of years. And then you'd be cycling down if they didn't fulfill those expectations. Next up from Alex Plum. Getting heavy here, but uh, yeah, great question. Pivoting. Yeah. Care to muse on how and why it is we grieve people the way we do. Few seem to remember sexual assault allegations Kobe against Kobe, um, all but admitted to, or the time he slurred uh, at a gay NBA referee. Have we forgiven, forgotten, or something else entirely? I think <clears throat> we haven't touched on Kobe, uh, who we don't have to explain that. Everybody knows. I don't think it has to do with grief necessarily. I think people had decided to forget or not fully research Kobe's rape allegation uh, going back to when it happened over 10 years ago. I think that that had already happened and he had already fully rehabilitated his image before the helicopter crash this week. And I, I think grief also uh, allows, I think there we have the societal thing where you don't speak ill of the dead. Um, the fact that really no that I saw mainstream media uh, outlets brought it up in any of their remembrances. The fact that no mainstream commentators mentioned it or considered it. Um, I also don't have, I don't think it has to do with the fact that he tragically died with his daughter also on board, which makes it even like way more sad. Um, I think it has more to do with how people preferred to not think about that before. And it also happened at a time. I think, I think you could say it happened pre me too. And pre people understanding things differently. 
maybe, uh, or giving the benefit of the doubt in the way that they now that maybe they didn't before. Um, and then the fact that he died sort of amplified that which had already occurred. What do you think? So I, I think that people are complicated and imperfect and that doesn't mean that everyone should be or anyone should be forgiven for, you know, potentially, you know, it, Kobe's own statement says that he realizes you know, the part of the settlement was that he realized he didn't have consent. Um, and so, but does that, you know, you look at other public facing moments from Kobe and in by all accounts, you know, in his private life that he was an amazing father to four girls. Also that, you know, even just as a fan, um, it, you know, and I, I'm not a pro basketball fan. I was never a big Kobe fan, but that, that, you know, if you're a fan of basketball, that Kobe put a mark on society and the game and, 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 you know, is earned his place as the, as a prime candidate for, is he the greatest of all time? You know, that, that, that debate that will linger forever, you know, it's, it's Kobe, James, Jordan, you know, who, who's, who's the best ever. Um, and, and he's, he's earned that. And so it's, it's okay. And people can be very sad about his passing, particularly, you know, as Greg pointed out, the circumstances that are just heartbreaking, you know, I, I, I grieve for his family. Um, I, I cannot imagine losing my spouse and, and son. Like, I mean, I just, I can't, it, it, it breaks my heart. Um, but there, I think what it is, is that in, in the moments immediately adjacent to it, it's not that we should, uh, bite our tongues about what, the, what the transgressions of people who have complicated lives, because we all have complicated lives you know, and, and maybe not rising to that level, yeah. but, the, but we all have imperfections and, and it, and it's, it seems like I, I, I don't know, it, you know, I'm not saying that I give Kobe a pass and indeed I don't, I don't really know that I do, but I also don't know that right now is the time to be saying anything other than I can appreciate the massive loss for a lot of people that this is. And the history books will, judge his legacy as we were able to have a more removed conversation, but now just maybe, maybe wasn't the time. Um, you know, it, it, to your point, Greg, a lot of time has passed since then. And it was very pre me too. Um, you know, and I could imagine if there's a whole host of people that are still sort of under the cloud of, of, um, maybe not necessarily sexual assault, but, Certainly, the way they they use their power to manipulate women and, and put them into at least semi coerced situations that they would they would if they were to pass that Paul would still hang over them. But enough time and enough stuff has happened that I don't know that anyone's going to forget it about Kobe. But that for right now we can be mournful and and when we remember his legacy, we should also remember that it is a complicated legacy. So. There we go. Yeah. So let's, uh, great question, Plum. Uh, <laughs> heavy notes in the middle. 
Um, let's take it uh, back with some levity, and we don't do that to just move on from it. But it was we we did talk about where are we going to put this, and it's like you don't want to start on a heavy note, you don't want to end on a heavy note. But this is it was a great question and a meaningful conversation that I think we should all reflect on. But we're going to move on to some much lighter subjects now. Uh, from Jake Hawkins, coming back, Jake. We hope that you have recovered well uh, from surgery, and we are glad to have you back on the pod. Uh, he says, with all crazy, all the craziness happening this college basketball season, can MSU win or compete for a national championship? I mean, absolutely. The answer is absolutely, right? Are they the favorite that they were at the beginning of the season? I I don't think you can say that. Um, but I think that this is going to be a two seed, potentially a high three or a low one seeded team at the end of this thing, depending on how things break. Um, they're very efficient on offense, not, you know, the most ever, but they can turn it on at times. And the defense actually, I think seems to be improving in certain ways. Um, so, I mean, you look at the numbers right now, Kansas looks good, but who knows what's going to happen with these suspensions. Duke is Duke. Um, so there are other teams out there, but when Baylor's number, you know, is up in the top five. And they have flaws. They're good on defense, but they have flaws. Dayton, Dayton has some dudes, um, but they'll have never really been there before. Um, I think that West Virginia just has schematic flaws that Izzo knows how to exploit. Izzo plays well against Huggy. So yes. we'll see. We'll see uh, how this thing goes. I mean, it, it depends on college basketball is matchups, especially in single, em- em- single elimination tournaments. And especially in a year like this, where I think it's true, we can all accept that there is no spectacular team in college basketball this year. There's no 2009 North Carolina. Uh, I think it depends on the draw. And I think it depends on how things play out and how this team progresses and puts things together um, in March and hopefully April. And I, I would say one of the nice things about playing in the Big Ten this season for MSU is they're getting a lot of practice uh, going against big, bad, big men, you know, that the place that we are probably most susceptible is with punishing big guys inside. And, you know, and, and I guess if you can combo that with some really athletic guards, you know, we just, we don't really have, you know, you, you look at places we've been taking advantage of. Um, and I think this team is, is going to get enough reps under its belt that hopefully come tournament tournament time, they will be, ready for whatever is thrown at them. Speaking Similarly, of which, does MSU look like a team that can win the outright regular season in the Big Ten? I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah. Yeah, agree. Uh, Rutgers is going to give them a run, but uh, agree. Yeah, and, and you know what? I love that. I'm, I am genuinely happy for Rutgers. Uh, and... and there's some there's some good Rutgers follows out there on the Twitter machine that the the joy that they have, but also sort of the the snark of just like knowing that they're Rutgers and what all that entails. But but genuine joy. I, I am I'm I'm happy for them and their fan base and and it looks like they're building a real program over there. So uh, kind of interested to see if that turns into a bit of a rivalry at all. I hope it does. Um, next up from CT and TC, uh, when I saw this question, I was mildly annoyed that I was going to have to answer this, but 
after the GVSU uh, offensive coordinator comments, it makes sense. Would you kill baby Hitler? Well, I, I would expect CT and TC to understand multiple universes theories and that if you go back and kill baby Hitler, that doesn't stop World War II in our reality. It basically it causes a fork in the time continuum. I think we I think most science fiction accepts that as how uh, as how time travel works. These Emphasis days. on the science and not the fiction, obviously. <laughs> right. Um, so the answer is, uh, sure, let's give it a go. If there's infinite universes, let's try one where we kill baby Hitler. Let's go for it. Let's give it a shot. Although if there are infinite universes, there are some where baby Hitler dies anyway, or someone else goes back and kills him. Um, yeah, so why I, not? Let's give it a shot. But it doesn't, I, it doesn't help us. I guess what I would say is, and this is probably not going to get a good review, but if I had to go to dinner with somebody. <laughs> You'd be spooning <laughs> rice into baby Hitler's mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying you don't go after the baby because he's a baby. That's so wrong. No, I would not kill baby Hitler, but I I would become his babysitter and I would uh, do my best to mentor him. And as soon as that anti-Semitic asshole turns into a fascist dictator... I'm going to take him out for a little uh, pre-fascism dinner, slip him a little cyanide. You know what I mean? Yep. That's He's going to get it eventually figure. anyway. So why not Why not just for me accelerate or himself, that time know. frame? You know? Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, no one tweet this, but I am on record about dinner with Hitler. Uh, next up from Jer Bear. Favorite MSU sports memory that you guys have experienced together, and how did you celebrate? Ooh. Kevin? Um, so we've can, been... can we talk, can we talk about the newspapers? I want to know your answer, but we got to talk about the newspapers. Are we that, doing that? We, well, t what was your answer going to be? Uh, I didn't have a good one. So let's just talk about these newspapers. We've seen a lot of games together. We haven't seen any of the like super marquee games together. Uh, like any well, so of the huge, huge wins. Uh, would the bowl game be the answer? I think so. I think the bowl game is the answer just because at that time MSU hadn't been to a bowl game in so long. We were at a stage in our life where getting in the car and going to Florida was, uh, could be quite the adventure. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had some little, uh, poolside, what was it? Goldschlager and Pepsi. Or, oh, I, for, I forgot about that. Yeah, you, uh, you introduced this to me like it was the nectar of the gods. Goldschlager <laughs> is the nectar of the gods. It has gold in it. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm in Florida. I'm at the side of the pool. I'm sipping Goldschlager and Pepsi. We're with my dad. With your dad. Your dad. Papa uh, Jones, who's here yep. right now. Cliff, the window washer himself, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah sure. We'll go with that. Uh but there's got to be like we've been to so many football games and basketball games, not basketball, mostly football. But we'll go yeah. with the bowl game. But uh, we did also. <laughs> so uh, Kevin and I and and two other awesome dudes shared an apartment together on Delta Street in East Lansing, um, and we the state news had um, run a a cover. Right? It was just a, or were they just no, poster inserts? No, it was a, uh, it was like the centerfold. <laughs> it was a centerfold. And so we had a whole wall of Drew Stanton. <laughs> and I will forever remember that. Oh, man. You know, the thing is, the, the hard thing to pick, picking out one 
MSU sports memory is that it, it you know it it just it was a it weaved its way through our college experience and like I remember um, when we were on Delta going over to what's the name of that coffee shop? Don't don't you do it? <laughs> it's Big B. It's Go- Big B. <laughs> I remember going over to Big B uh, and uh, grabbing some coffees for us and uh, loading them up with some whiskey so we could have some Kentucky coffee on the way to the stadium. Like, I, I don't know. I just it, it's not one moment. It was just sort of it was part of college for us. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to like pick uh, a memory and how we celebrated. It, it was just it was always it was celebrating MSU. Yeah, uh, as dumb as that sounds. But next question, though, <laughs> tagged off of this CTNTC coming in like the troll that he is. My favorite troll. Like, if you want a troll to follow, CTNTC does trolling right. I got to give him credit with this question. Worst MSU sports memory you guys experienced and describe in detail, in detail. how it made you feel. Just go into all of the excruciating uh, elements of it. What do you have for this? I mean, are you familiar with the uh, John L. Smith era? Yeah, I mean, there's or... just football generally before Mark D'Antonio. That... Uh, or also there's CTNTC going to Ann Arbor yesterday to watch U of M lose and not going to Frazier's to grab a beverage. We're mad at you, bro. Dolt. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what was... We, I think we were at a bar in Ann Arbor, and I'm trying to remember was if it was it was maybe it was Memphis that we lost to mm. in the tournament. I don't think that was it. Or was it Louisville? Uh, it might have been Louisville. I have a strong memory of watching that Memphis game in East Lansing. Well, um, so we were we were at a bar. We lo- we lost in the tournament, and I remember like that was supposed. To, it was a high intensity game, and that team that uh, we'll call it Louisville. Like all seasons shot like sixty percent from the line. Like, I mean, it was it was like a gimme, like just foul. Like th- they can't shoot, and somehow went ninety percent that game. Like, that was I don't know that that one sticks out to me because you, you guys were going out afterwards. And I'm like I gotta go home. I'm <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm sad. Um. Anyway, next up, Rebecca Sawyer. I feel like we're giving a lot of life details here. That's what yeah. happens when you don't play in your show very well. Um. <laughs> Given the re- recent intense fight after the Kansas-Kansas State game, what are some of your thoughts about fights in sports, what fights are acceptable and what aren't, and how should they be handled by uh, the coaches and administration? First off, did you hear what Gus Johnson said about this when he was Mm-mm. asked? Mm-mm. During the telecast, uh, Gus Johnson and Bill Raffery were talking about this. Oh, I think, Jesus. I think Bill <laughs> said that he thought that they shouldn't even do handshakes after the game or something. I wasn't able to go back and re-listen to it, but I was like, what are you talking about, Bill? And then Gus Johnson responded by being like, these are guys, they're competitive. Sometimes guys fight. And I thought that was wrong too. But that's, that's definitely like a writing off toxic masculinity yeah. as like, oh yeah, it's it's okay. And I was like, these two guys, like we got to find somewhere in between this. But if you think about sports, I mean, there are very popular sports that are just fighting straight up. Like boxing and MMA are just fighting. It, and, and, then, and they are uh, they are sanctioned and regulated as yes. such. Yes. Like the state right, – like, I don't even know if in New York you can do MMA still. It used to be you couldn't. I don't know if that law changed. 
but like the reason they fight in Vegas beyond the gambling is there it's it's regulated by the state. And then, you know, football is very physical and is kind of just like a veneer over fighting, like fighting with rules. Like yep. you, you can't hurt them too much. You can can't tackle punch. them, tackle them to the ground, but that's the extent of it. Uh, hockey, I don't know the history of fighting in hockey, but hockey certainly the fight used to be a bigger part of the culture. It's declining. I, I think it's the context of these things. We've accepted that in basketball and baseball and some other sports, the players aren't meant to fight. Uh, they don't have the tools for it. Not all parties have entered into it, understanding that a fight is going to happen. Um, I, I, I don't want to say the fights are acceptable. I don't want to go Gus Johnson being like, yeah, you know, boys will be boys. Um, I think they're definitely the suspensions were warranted. I, I kind of expected DeSosa to get longer than he did for brandishing a stool in that fight. Um, I, I think you have to have some kind of stern punishment for it. Um, and you, you can't like go change. If, if there's some element of a game that causes a lot of fights then you're probably obligated to change that. I don't think there are enough of them though in college basketball or, or other related sports that like there needs to be some kind of structural change. Like Raftery said, like just send them straight off into their own locker rooms and well, I think that's, that's dumb, dumb too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is that, you know, we're having fun at, with it at the expense of not a sponsors. But, yeah. This has, you know, this episode <laughs> features three not a sponsors that all have to do with fighting. But, you know, at the same time, I guess I would say um, if the NCAA or professional sports wanted to make this not a thing anymore, they could. Sure. They could absolutely say anyone involved in a physical altercation that is not within, you know, sort of the bounds and, and normal confines of that sport. It, you're done for the year. You, I mean, like they they could stop it, or you know, if if as a society we really have a problem with it. I mean, the fact is, Sylvia D'Souza did brandish a weapon. Like, I mean, if if that had happened after the game outside, you know, the the confines of the stadium, he would be arrested for that conduct. Mm -hmm. So I I don't understand what playing a basketball game and then that happening makes it acceptable. I, I don't. I'm not trying to like clutch pearls over here. Because at the same time, um, you know, I've certainly watched compilations of Major League Baseball brawls Absolutely. and enjoyed them. But I I do kind of think that it is incumbent upon the the leagues at minimum to say, you know, is are we okay with this happening? Because if not, then we should, if we're not okay with it, if it's unbecoming of the sport, then we should just stop it. And the way you stop it is you say next year, here's the rule change. If you're involved in a physical altercation with another player, you know, pregame, postgame, during the game, you are suspended for the rest of the year, period, full stop. There is no appeal. There is no review. There's like, it, you know, you throw a punch, you're out. Uh, well, at the same time, though, do stronger punitive measures always deter conduct? I mean, DeSosa wasn't brandishing that stool, like thinking about the outcome. He was in the moment. Like he wasn't thinking about the, you know, 
the circumstances or what the punishment is going to be. Uh, I think there, I think even if you did suspensions, there would still be fights. You would just have student athletes whose careers are ruined. So I would rather look at the full breadth of college or, or professional sports or whatever it is, evaluate the amount of fights, determine what it is that is the best way to, you know, reduce the likelihood. I'm not sure that. But you said 12 games is light. And so that's a lot of the season. That's true. That's true. That's I mean, at least so, a third of the season. There. So if, if you're saying a third's light, so, you know, like, I, I don't, I mean, I, I get your point. I don't know that it would have changed, but it, it certainly probably changes the level of assholery that leads up to a fight. That's a good word. That's a good yeah. <laughs> So, I, I, you know, uh, I, 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 obviously I've complicated it, you know, cause I think back to, uh, what's that, what's that dude from Michigan who I don't care about Devin Bush, um, and, and what happened pregame at MSU. Um, there, there are, there are times that it, it would bite you. It wouldn't feel good, but if we're, you know, suspending people for, you know, potentially, you know, for, for testing positive on, on supplements and not having clarity into what that is. And like, you know, I just, why is fighting more acceptable? I don't know. That's a good point. Anyway, we'll move on. (laughs) keep this show flowing yeah we didn't fix society uh, i'm sorry rebecca <laughs> but we'll work on it and we'll get back to you later on yeah. uh next up from taylor anderson uh from which i'll give some context to this one but the question is from previous tweets today what is the better option if you only get one banning the dh or astroturf entirely in baseball <laughs> so for those who don't know the national league uh for the longest time does not or forever um, has not had a designated hitter, so, which means that the pitchers bat. Um, and the American League, the pitchers do not bat, and they get to have this player who just hits hit. Um, and so the NL is considering, very seriously, bringing on the DH to their uh, their league. Sure. So, Kevin, what's your take? Uh, I'm not much of the baseball guy and I have a feeling given the tone of what you just, of how you just explained it. Uh, I think the DH is great. I think pitchers having at bats is a waste of time. I want to see dingers and the DH should be all throughout baseball and I shouldn't have to worry about whatever it is. Who wins? Is it still the thing? Whoever wins the the all-star game gets, no, they got rid of that. Thank God. Cause that was the dumbest thing. Um, I say bring on the DH. DH everything. If a player is a really good fielder and they're bad at batting, they should get a DH too. There should be more DHs. But, but you're about to oh, disagree. Yeah, no, so I was going to give you the hypothetical. Why don't we just expand it then? Why don't we just have a defensive lineup and an offensive lineup? Be like football. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Let, let's just let's just bring the talent in there. You know, you might be a great fielder, but you can't hit worth a darn. So you know what? You get a DH. And maybe you have some players who play both ways because let's be honest, baseball, you know, not physically taxing in the same way that <laughs> that uh, that hockey or basketball or football are physically taxing. So you know, you can sit out in the outfield, you can come in and bat, you know, whatever. Yeah, I know the whole purity of the game, blah 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 blah, fielding, batting, whatever. Baseball's it's already a... dull. Look, I don't want to see s- a pitcher bat. I I will say this that uh 
So long as the AL has the DH and the NL doesn't, the NL is at a disadvantage. Yes. No matter how many times they win, you know, a World Series over the AL, which I, I believe in modern era is the AL's got the record on that. So I it could be wrong. Please don't tweet at me about that. But, you know, you look at the run from the Yankees and, and obviously they've got a good chunk of and the Red Sox um, that, you know, if it weren't for the Giants sort of punch, punching holes every now and again. So, you know, you're you're down one offensive powerhouse. And, and so if baseball wants some semblance of parity, they should add the DH. Um, or, you know what baseball could do? They could add a salary cap. Yeah. That'd be a thing. So I think um, me, I'm going to ban the DH. Kevin, it sounds like you're pro AstroTurf banning. For sure. All right, great. Next up from David Jackson. Is it crazy to think that Tillman won't be the first team all-conference yet may actually be the most valuable player in the Big Ten? Oh, I mean, plus minus wise, you would certainly make the argument that he's the most valuable player on the team. I haven't looked at his numbers uh, league-wide. I mean, Iowa is, Iowa is not Iowa without Garza. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. See, well, but so it's, it's, it's hard to say because, all right, let's say you have a team that is, um, I mean, let's, if you looked at an all conference team and yeah. let's, you know, I don't care who we'd pick from this, but let's put Garza on that, whatever last year's all conference team, let's put Garza on. And if he wasn't, is Garza as good on that team? Uh, does does Garza play? If Garza was at MSU, is Garza who he is now on MSU? Is it just Cassius feeding Garza? I don't know. That's quite hypothetical. Well, I'm just I'm just saying is because yeah, he's right. Garza <laughs> is going to be first team all conference for the five, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, and Don. Yeah, but they they get a little like tricky with positions. They're willing to like sort of blur the the lines with that um i also think mvp is so obviously cassius i don't mean that to disrespect x but like come on right yeah i i think also i mean but we've also talked on this program about how like the numbers are just so good for tillman and it's just so quiet like you got to give him credit you got to like gin up enthusiasm for tillman and his efficiency you, because you can be like, oh, Tillman had a quiet game, and you're like, wait, he had a double double. Yeah, what? Not just a yeah, double double, no. but like well into double digits in scoring. Um, and he cleans up everything. I don't know. I. It's a good question. I it's don't really, think he's it, the most valuable player in the Big Ten, though. Regardless, but it and, but it is a little bit crazy unless they slide him over to the four for some reason on that all conference team. Um, it is a little crazy to think that a guy with that plus minus who is silently putting together double doubles and is so obviously coaching members of his team that that guy is in all conference. I agree. I mean, that is, it's crazy, but I, at the same time, I think we both get it, right? Yep. Why, why, you know, the press doesn't vote him in this weird all-star team that doesn't actually make sense. And those personalities would certainly hate each other if they had to play together. So... Um, next question, John Hubbard. This is a doozy. Uh, Warren Buffett names you as his sole heir, but with the condition that you have to choose one of the following. The only movie you can watch for the rest of your life is Cats. The only alcohol you can drink for the rest of your life is Bud Light Seltzer. 
And the only song you can listen to for the rest of your life is Gwen Stefani's 2004 number one hit, Holla Back Girl. Which do you choose? Well, I, I consider Holla Back Girl a direct competitor for to Promiscuous. So out. That's gone. Yep. yep. Um, so we got Cats and we got Bud Light Seltzer. You know what, Warren? I'll take them both. Pour it on me. I'm going to sit in so many theaters <laughs> just watching Cats, watching Cats at home, sipping on Bud Light Seltzer. Every time someone asks, hey, man, why are you watching Cats and drinking Bud Light Seltzer? I'm going to be like, because I'm Warren Buffett's sole heir, and this was all I had to do. This was easy. I only had to choose one. I took both. Uh, so be gone, pleb. Uh, I would say it, for me, you make a great point, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the seltzer here because you know yeah. what? Uh, it, it's light. It's refreshing. It replaces water. That's science. And if <laughs> I could not watch, I can't. I can't do cats. And you're right. There is uh, a I can't wrinkle just... here that occurs to me now that I wish I had thought about before. How? How sure are we that Bud Light Seltzer is going to stick around to the end of time? Like, if they stop producing Bud Light Seltzer, is that the loophole where you get out of this? Or does it mean that there's no more alcohol consumption for you at all for the rest of your life? I think the way I read that is that I have to go dry and I don't know that I can tolerate that. Or does it mean that because you're Warren Buffett's heir, now you have to invest heavily in InBev or whoever owns Anheuser-Busch these days and force them to continue to produce Bud Light Seltzer? Kevin, we are in the golden age of television. Yeah. I I cannot see movies because there is so much really great TV out there. Sure. I, I, cats, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick, because you're right, the risk of not being able to drink, which my 60 minute right now that I'm on is fantastic, but I'm, I'm going full cats. Full cats, because yeah. I can't disrespect Nelly that way. I can't do it to her and uh, can't risk going dry. So, Kevin, uh, we have our last and final not a sponsor. Um, who do we have? Uh, we're excited about this one. Uh, we're excited about all of the not a sponsors. Uh, but this one in particular. Uh, this is a blast from the past. Uh, and, and close to home. Yeah. Yeah. We, this is a hometown sponsor that we're really excited about. Uh, because this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by the malice at the palace. Reminding you of what actually happened that night. Ron Artest went into the stands. Steven Jackson was up there throwing haymakers, just throwing haymakers at people in the stands. People were throwing stuff back and forth. It was bananas. Like, no one knew what was going on. Nothing compares to this. Kansas, Kansas State does not come anywhere close. That was resolved in like 25 seconds. The Malice in the Palace (laughs) went on for what seemed like an hour. You think one dude picking up a stool and using it is in the neighborhood of the Mouse of the Palace. It is not. Go back and watch and listen to that tape and also listen to Can't Read, Can't Write. Uh, you, you brought something up that, that, that uh, maybe you were talking about throwing things. I, before we go on to our previews, we got to talk about this Indiana game for a second. And I look, I don't want to beat up on the refs, but they were terrible. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about Indiana getting a warning a warning for for a fan throwing a water bottle i believe at a referee <laughs> yeah i was talking about this over the weekend i can't remember a time where this happened at breslin so question for you if if that was just a straight technical mm-hmm. do you think that makes it possible that the game gets out of hand real fast 
Like, do the fans just immediately turn? Or do the fans turn on the fan who threw it? Uh, having been to games at Indiana, I think it could go either way. Because um, I'm pro that's just a technical. Like, it, fans shouldn't get, like, a, a freebie of throwing it at something at a ref. Yeah, it should be. You just shouldn't get a warning for throwing things and interrupting play like that. Um, I, I'm inclined to think at Indiana, they want to win so bad that they would turn on the fan that threw it because we all accept that you can't, it's unacceptable to throw debris onto the court during play as much as they might've disagreed with the ref. Um, but Indiana is this another so thirsty right now. I think they turned this a better, is this a better cheat code than what Juwan Howard had? Mm. Like MSU on a fast break, you just chuck a water bottle right into the field of play. Like whistle warning technical. Well, like, again, what that's on the referees. As long as the debris isn't affecting gameplay, it shouldn't be a whistle until the home team regains possession. But, but if you got it into the key, like it would be in the field of play. Like you don't know where the play is going to go on. The I think you're break. definitely getting a technical. If that happens, I, can look, you remember I, I, this happening at, at Breslin? I, no, I don't. I've watched like every game for decade plus now. Uh, I can't recall it happening. Yeah. Um, with that, though, we won't relive the past any longer. Let's get to a preview of uh, we get two games coming up this week. Uh, Northwestern coming to Michigan State, and we're going back on the road to play Wisconsin. Um, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but shocker, Northwestern still not very good. Yeah, no. Uh, we won on their court. There's not much that should indicate we shouldn't win again. Uh, nope. Um, I believe Northwestern has a win against Nebraska, and that is it in conference. Is that correct? I we'll, think we'll say it is. It is. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's really no reason to cover this game. Um, I don't know what's happening with Northwestern's uh program. I don't know if Chris Collins, the first coach to ever take them to the NCAA tournament, is going to end up getting fired just a few years later after that <laughs> because things are not going well there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't think this one is really worth talking about at all. It's a freebie uh, on Wednesday. Stephen Izzo gets on the court. Fact oh, yeah. or fiction? Oh, yeah. All right. Big time. There's going to be big time Jack Hoiberg throw it, tossing over to Stevie Izzo, toss him back. Uh, yeah. Count it. Does, do, do you think he knows that everyone wants him to shoot? Because um, they know. I was I was watching uh, with my family the other day, and they were saying, you know, why doesn't he, you know, do anything? <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, if if Stephen Izzo for even a second didn't do exactly what his assignment was, yeah, like the, I mean, the wrath that would befall him. It's one thing for all the other walk-ons to just hoist up nonsense shots but if that dude took even one errant look oh his dad yeah would would, would get the belt off because <laughs> Izzo knows that he's got to go harder on stevie than than anyone else uh yeah. just for a little context northwestern 114 ken palm right now uh they're hanging out with the Yikes. likes of oral roberts indiana state colgate ucf kent state's in there um yeah this shouldn't be much of a game at home 
Actually, you reminded me with that Colgate question. We missed a uh, a question from uh, Vodka Soda Nineteen ah. about cover about covering women's sports. Um, and why don't we do it more? Because it, it would be a a worthwhile way to use our platform to get people out and celebrate women's sports. Uh, we don't disagree. Um, it's a great question. And we have, uh, admittedly, time constraints are part of it. Uh, part of it is a lack of expertise. And so we could do a better job of getting more, at, uh, uh, getting better at it. But I will say, um, MSU played, uh, MSU women's hockey did play, I believe, Colgate the other day. Mm-hmm. And MSU women's hockey beat Colgate 21 to nothing. Hmm. That's a hockey score. That's a one-sided affair. 21 to nothing. That is three touchdowns and the extra points. Uh, So here's our initial tip of the cap to celebrating uh, Women's Spartans' uh, fantastic win against a very, very worthy opponent. Um, But we will try and do a better job of getting shout-outs. For instance, we should have shouted out, and we we acknowledge that we didn't at the time and should have. Uh, The women's cross-country team had a fantastic season. So we try and stay abreast. We will try and do a better job. But anyway, uh, continuing on with our preview, Kevin, Wisconsin, uh, we just played them, you might remember. Yeah. Uh, In particular, you might remember Rocket Watts um, uh, just making Brad Davidson look like the dumbest person which is in the nice entire world which is nice i like that let's have some more of that rocket let's do that let's 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 see if brad davidson when you go to wisconsin has figured out that sick jab step crossover yeah and then the sick jab step crossover from behind Ooh, ooh, so so sexy uh look i, I mean i don't feel like we need to preview it again we we did we did handle our business at wisconsin you know but hey playing on the road is tough um, and so I would expect a closer game and, and, you know, something worth remembering about that Wisconsin game is that it took a combined effort from most of the team because Cassius didn't have, uh, uh necessarily a lights out performance. No. So, um, look for more of the same, but it, it seems like maybe Cassius is a little bit on the, the rebound. And, and so, you know, if he's playing well, and we get a couple of younger guys to step up. It should be hopefully another drubbing. Hopefully. But you know how it is. Life on the road. Yes. We'll see. Um, so with that, Kevin. Although MSU, MSU's oh, had do do? quite a bit of uh, success over the last, as we covered then in that preview. Again, just reiterating. Uh, quite a bit of success at uh, down at the old Cole Center. So uh, this should be a good, good game. Saturday. Nooner. The All nooner. Right. Uh, so if you need a nooner on Saturday, um, Wisconsin, MSU, that'll that'll be what you do for your nooner. Um, Kevin, with that, go green. Go white. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>